Salutations, everybody. Hi, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. We are uh, going to do something that uh, today that we did last week, and I really got a lot of positive feedback from it. So we're going to do it from time to time, maybe maybe weekly, maybe every other week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But what we did is we presented an old time radio grab bag. And that was, I just went in and grabbed some shows that I would never normally play on my podcast. Because every Monday I play a comedy, every Tuesday I play a drama, on Wednesdays a mystery, and on Thursdays uh, we play a uh, western. Well, some of these shows that we were presenting didn't fit into that category. And also I try to present shows that would appeal to an adult audience, not kid shows. Well, what we're going to do this week is kind of throw all those rules to the wind, and we are going to present to you in our old-time radio grab bag a typical Saturday morning. If you were uh, a young kid back in 1950 and you turned on the radio when your parents were still upstairs asleep, these are some of the shows you would probably hear. Now, I'm going to do these without comment because I just just don't have the time to spend on another two-hour show. So these are going to be presented without comment and in most cases without commercials. But I will guarantee you that they are all in high-quality sound. And if you've been missing something like this, I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. So without anything further, we're just going to go from show to show to show without any comment from me. And maybe I'll see you for just a minute on the other side. Enjoy. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! And now, Superman, a being no larger than an ordinary man, but possessed of powers and abilities never before realized on Earth. Able to leap into the air an eighth of a mile at a single bound, hurdle a 20-story building with ease, Race a high-powered bullet to its target. Lift tremendous weights and rend solid steel in his bare hands as though it were paper. Superman, a strange visitor from a distant planet, champion of the oppressed, physical marvel extraordinary, who has sworn to devote his existence on Earth to helping those in need. As our story begins, we ask you to come with us on a far journey, a journey that takes us millions of miles from the Earth, 
where the planet Krypton burns like a green star in the endless heavens. Here, civilization is far advanced. It has brought forth a race of supermen, men and women like ourselves, but advanced to the absolute peak of human perfection. As we near Krypton, we see high walls and gleaming turrets. We approach the magnificent Temple of Wisdom, and there in a great hall, Jor-El, Krypton's foremost man of science, is about to address a meeting of the planet's governing council. Attention! Attention, gentlemen! Jor-El speaks. Members of the council, I have completed my solar calculations. And much as I dread uttering these words, I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Did I hear him right? Gentlemen! Gentlemen! Gentlemen, hear him out. These internal quakes we've been experiencing, these volcanic eruptions, tidal waves, gas escaping from giant craters, all point to only one thing, gentlemen. Krypton is utterly... And finally, doom. One moment, gentlemen. One moment. There is no cause for anxiety. I am certain Jonel has made a mistake. True, we have had a few minor quakes and eruptions, but nothing very serious. There must be some error in your calculations, Jonel. No, no, there is no error, Rosanne. I only wish there were. The sun is gradually drawing Krypton closer to it. Within a month, Possibly only a week. The gravitational pull will be so tremendous that Krypton will not be able to weather the strain. And then, then our planet will explode like a giant bubble, destroying every living thing on it. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> assuming for the moment, Jorel, that what you say is true, how are we to avoid it? What can we do to stop it? There is only one way. As you all know, I have been working on a spaceship designed for interplanetary travel. With time and united effort, we might transport the entire population of Krypton to another world. Impossible. Where would we go? To the Earth. My studies tell me the atmosphere of the Earth is very nearly the same as our own. You have been working too hard, Jorah. You need a rest. Believe me, we have the utmost respect for your knowledge and integrity. But this is carrying it too far. Planets as large as Krypton do not explode, Jorel. Wait! Do you hear that, gentlemen? It's the forewarning of doom! Every moment is precious now! Quakes like that are sounding the death knell of Krypton. It will happen, gentlemen, and happen soon. When the last great eruption comes... When it comes, Jorel... It shall find all of us ready. If Krypton is to die, we shall die with it. The parting would be much too severe. Yes. <laughs> Very well. Laugh of your light, Roseanne, and you members of the council. I have no time to laugh. My wife, Lara, and my infant son are dear to me. It is not my wish to stand by and see them destroyed. Laugh, all of you. But a time will come and that time is perhaps very close at hand, when you will wish you had heeded the words of Jorel. Now you think me a fool, but remember what I have said, gentlemen, when Krypton is shattered into a thousand million stars, when the glorious civilization we have built is no more, when you 
and your families are swept from the face of Krypton like dust. <laughs> order, gentlemen. Order. You are told, Jor-El, speak. Is it your wish that we devote time and money to the building of spaceships for the transportation of Krypton's population to another planet? No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Jor-El. The Council has spoken. Yes, and signed the death warrants of every living thing on Krypton. Well, I have done my best to convince you. Now all that remains for me is to proceed with my own means of salvation, my own spaceship, to save the lives of those near and dear to me. As for the rest of you, may the gods have mercy on your souls. Ah, Lara, I didn't see you. I came out to take the air on the terrace. It's been terribly hot all day. Is that because we're being drawn to the sun, Jarrell? Yes. What did the council have to say about that? I... I didn't mention it. Is the model of your spaceship almost finished? Yes, yes, I just drove the last rivet. How does it look? Splendid. But will it work? Ah, that remains to be seen. If it does work, I shall immediately begin construction of another just like it, only much larger. One big enough to carry all three of us to another world. Jarrell, when will that be? Every moment that we spend waiting and wondering... Yes, I know, I know, Lara. It's been hard on all of us, and particularly hard on you. How is the boy? Sleeping, Jarrell. That quake this afternoon frightened him. But he's all right now. Can't you come in and look at him? You scarcely see him these days, what with working all hours on the spaceship model. It can't be helped, dear. I'm racing against time. Right now, I'm anxious to know whether the model will behave as I hope. How does it operate? Very simply. When all is ready, I throw this switch... That closes the circuit, and electric energy builds up pressure in the atomic generators. Then, at the final moment, the pressure forces the ship from its carrier and speeds it on its way. But where does it go? Wherever it's pointed. This one I'm directing to the planet Earth. Earth? What is that, Jerome? A planet smaller than our own, situated on the other side of the sun. It's inhabited by a race of people similar to ourselves. Like ourselves? Well... Only partly, of course, my dear. They're about the same size, but nowhere nearly as developed. Very weak and helpless, and, and with all their faculties, extremely limited. How do you mean? It's something like this. You know how far you step when you want to go somewhere? Practically as far as I want. Why, one step takes me to Brata's house near the fountain. Exactly. Well, down where I'm sending this spaceship, it's quite different. An Earthman steps only three feet at a time at most, and... Everything else is in proportion. And that's where we're going? Oh, how dreadful. My dear, which would you rather do? Go to Earth and live, or stay on Krypton and die? I'll do anything you say, Jurel, anything. It doesn't matter to me whether we live or die as long as we're together. It's only the boy I worry about. Yes, I know. Oh, Lara, darling, don't worry. He'll be saved. When are you testing the spaceship model? In the morning. Just as dawn breaks, I'll send it on its way watching its flight through a high-powered telescope to see whether it lands safely on Earth. Is Earth the only planet place we can go to, Jarrell? We couldn't breathe on any other planet but the Earth. It happens to have an atmosphere similar to Krypton's. I suppose you know best, Jarrell. Are you coming in? It, it seems to have gotten oppressively hot. Yes, it, it has, I wonder. Lara, do you hear that? Yes, Jarrell. What is it? Subterranean explosions. Do you feel the ground trembling? Yes, I do. Jarrell, do you think? Lara. Lara, I'm afraid it's come. Where is the boy, Kal-El? 
What do you mean? Get him quickly. This is the end. Jarrell, what can we do? Nothing, nothing. I'm not ready. Oh, what a fool I've been to delay. It isn't your fault, Jarrell. You did all you could. If only this model were large enough, we could take a chance. Jarrell, would it carry one of us safely to Earth? Oh, I think so, but... Lara, where are you going? Stay here with me. I'm getting Kalel. If one of us can be saved, Jarrell, it should be the boy. No, no, Lara, come back. If one must go, it should be you. Lara, I said come back. Come back. Here he is, Jarrell, still asleep. Goodbye, Kalel. Please, Lara. No, Jarrell, listen to me. We both stay here. Kalel goes in the spaceship. If there is a chance, Jarrell, and one little chance I wanted for my son. Maybe you're right, Lara. Jarrell, look. The sky. It's fiery red. The mountains. Look, the mountains are falling in. Jarrell, what's happening? The end of Krypton, Lara. Just as I foretold. This is the last great quake. Jarrell, listen. Explosions. Here, quick, quick. Give me the boy. Kalel. Kalel. What are you doing, Jarrell? Opening the door. Putting him inside. Jarrell. The house, it's swaying. It's breaking apart. Look, Jarrell. There. There, he's safe inside. Now for the switch. Stand back, Lara. Oh, Jarrell, will he reach the earth? Only the gods know. But there's a chance. The only chance. Stand back now, Lara. I'm going to throw the switch. Jarrell, it's getting dark. I can't see. What happened? Fire. Smoke from the center of the planet. Not much time now. Hold me, Jarrell. Has the spaceship gone? No, no, not yet. Waiting for pressure. We may have been too late. If it doesn't work up soon... Wait! Lara! It's off! It's on its way! Jarrell, where are you? Here, here beside you, Lara. Listen, can you hear me? Our boy, Kalel. Our son, Lara. He's on his way. On his way to Earth. Kalel! So the tiny rocket ship roars into the uncharted heavens as the mighty planet of Krypton explodes into millions of glowing fragments, glittering stars to remain forever in the night sky. Jorel and Lara, devoted parents of the tiny boy, perish in the giant quake that destroys Krypton. But what of the rocket ship? Does it reach the Earth? Does it find its mark in all the far-flung darkness of space? Remember, don't miss the next installment of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a giant bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Presenting Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, eighth wonder of the modern world visitor from a distant planet whose strength knows no limits, whose endurance is beyond anything humanity has ever known. We have seen how the child of Jorel and Lara was placed in the rocket ship and sent on his way to Earth. During the long journey of the rocket ship to the Earth, the child has become a man. The rocket landed in a desert. Superman stepped forth full-grown to explore this strange new world in which he found himself. Today, as our story continues, we find him hovering with his curious power above a quiet highway in Indiana. A trolley car is just pulling up the hill, and as Superman wheels and turns in curious flight, unseen below, a man and a boy come out of the shed that serves as waiting room. Hello, 
Morning, Professor. Good morning. Going into town? Yes, that's right, John. Taking Jimmy to the fair. That is a great show, all right. Well, I reckon you're my only passengers. Uh, make yourselves at home. I'm going to get me a drink of water. All right. Why, Dad, we've got the trolley all to ourselves. Yeah, regular private car. Where'd the motorman go? And just over to the spring for a drink. It's a mighty hot day. You'd better hurry or we'll be late. <laughs> we can't start without the motorman. But we are starting. Look, Dad, the doors have closed. We're moving. Yes, what happened? Dad, I want to get out. The brakes. Something happened to the brakes. Let's get out, quick. Open the doors. They're jammed. They're tight shut. Dad... We're going faster and faster. We're going downhill. Dad, what are we going to do? Jimmy, come here. The window. Out the window, Dad. Get it open. Smash it. Oh, wait. wait. Jump, Dad. Jump. No, no, no. It's too late. Going too fast. We've got to, Dad. Look, there ahead, there's a tree. Jimmy. A tree. A tree's falling right in the tracks. Look. Look. There in the sky. It's a man. Why, he's flying. It can't be. It's not possible. Dad, he's coming straight at us. He's swooping down. He's staring off the roof. Dad. Quick. Grab hold of me. No, put me down. Let me go. Stop it. One under each arm. Out through the top. Hold on. We're going to crash. Well, we just got out of that in time. The trolley car's a wreck. Smashed into a million pieces. Where are you going? What are you doing to us? Uh, what's happening? Put us down. Don't be frightened. You're all right. I had to get you out of there in a hurry. Pulling off that roof was the only way. Now we're going down again. Down. Down. There you are. Safe and sound in the field. Well, I, I don't know what to say. Quite all right, Professor. Getting you and the boy out of that car was nothing. I can't believe it. Who are you, anyway? Where do you come from? I have no name. I come from a world that no longer exists. Here in this world of yours, men would call me a superman. It's a dream. A wild, impossible dream. But, Dad, it happened. We saw it. He flew down, took us under his arms. And out of the car, that's all. Nothing so strange about that. And you saved our lives, Jimmy's and mine. I don't understand even now, but I'm grateful. Are you, Professor? Well, do you doubt it? Would you do something to prove it? Would we? Anything at all. Then make me a promise. Promise that you'll say nothing at all about what's happened. What? Don't you want people to know? Not just yet. I want no one to know. Except those I help. Will you promise? If you wish. I do. Believe me. Then you have our word. Is that all? No. You've given me your promise. Now I want your advice. You want advice from us? You know this world. I'm a stranger. You know the people in it. And I have still to find them out. You want to meet men, is that it? Not meet them, Professor. Observe them. Study them. See them at their best and their worst. Know which to help and when help is needed. If you can tell me that... Dad, can we help him? Well, I think so, Jimmy, if that's what he wants. It would mean a great deal to me. Well, my friend, if we can call you that... I hope we can. My first friends on this earth. To mingle with people, to see men at the highest and the lowest, if that's what you want... Well, now, let me think. Uh, now, how about a newspaper, a great metropolitan daily? A newspaper? Well, yes, join their staff. Be a reporter. Oh, but you can't do it in those clothes. Not that blue costume with the cloak and shield on your breast. Gee, you couldn't. Uh, Jimmy, these are the cloak and the shield of Superman. If I become as other men, I shall dress as other men. Well, you'll have to assume some kind of a name. Uh, what do they call you? I have no name. Well, how about... Clark Kent. That sounds all right. Yes, why not? It's usual enough. Won't attract attention. Clark Kent. 
Clark Kent. Yes. And about joining a newspaper. That should give me an opportunity to learn the troubles of men, to know whom to help and when help is needed. I'll do it. Many thanks to both of you for your advice. Well, no thanks are necessary. If there were only something more... Just this. Remember your promise. Never to reveal my identity. And now, goodbye. I've stayed too long, and I'm off. Goodbye! 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 They're right. Superman must become a reporter. A reporter by the name of Clark Kent. Clark Kent. I'll do it. Steady roll. White. Listen, Chief. You better get somebody in that railroad story right away. Anything break? Looks bad. I don't know where your dope came from, but it sure was right. Well, where are you now? At the yards out of town. If I were you, I'd have somebody watch the man they call the wolf. The wolf? That's what I do, Chief. Watch him. Trail him. Follow him every minute. He's at the bottom of this as sure as you're born. Oh, hey, I gotta meet it. Someone's coming. So long. Excuse me, Mr. White. That young man's still waiting. What young man? Oh, the one who wants a job? Well, let him wait. Who have we got that's free? McCann's on the coast. Grayson's down in Virginia. Most of the day men are full up. I knew it. Confound it's always the way. Something breaks and nobody to handle it. What is it, Mr. White? Railroads. Sabotage. I didn't believe it, but there may be something in it after all. If there is... Yes, sir? If there is, Miss Smith, it'll be the biggest story since Lindbergh. And me short-handed. Oh, what's the use? Yes, sir. Uh, about that man. Oh, send him in. Send him in. Yes, sir. Come in, Mr. Kent. Mr. White will see you now. Thank you. You want to see me? Close that door. Yes, sir. My name is Kent. Clark Kent. What can I do for you, Mr. Kent? Well, Mr. White, you can give me work, I hope. Work? On the paper? Yes, sir. I'd like to be a reporter. Oh, you'd like to be a reporter. What papers have you worked on? Well, none, sir, but Oh, you haven't. But you think you'd be a whiz. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid I can't use you, Kent. You mean you haven't any openings? Not for greenhorns. I'm sorry if I'm blunt. But, Mr. White, even if I am a greenhorn, suppose I brought you a good story. And where would you get it? I'm afraid you'll have to excuse me, Mr. Kent. A really good story? Such as? Such as the complete inside on the man called the wolf on the Western Railroads? Uh, uh, What's that? You heard me. Do you want that story? Do I want it? Well, I should say I do. But look here. I think I could get it for you, Mr. White. What do you know about the wolf? A little bit. Where did you ever hear his name? Connection with railroads, Mr. White. Oh, stop beating around the bush. I only heard the beginning of that myself yesterday morning. Not a paper in the country has carried a line, and yet... And yet I come in here and talk about it. I think I could do something with it, Mr. White. Now, look here, Kent. Mysterious secret messages have threatened to tie up every railroad in the country, beginning with the Western. For a while, the road paid no attention, and then the crack flyer on the P&R went off a bridge. Yes, I read about that. Naturally. But you didn't read about the warnings because they weren't printed. Weren't printed? No, and they won't be. Not until we've checked all the angles. And then this man, the wolf... Oh, yes, yes, the wolf. Now, where do you come in? How did you get to know the wolf? Excuse me. Stay your own, White. My friend, tomorrow night, the Silver Clipper leaves Denver for the West. It will not arrive in Salt Lake City. Hey, what's that? Who's this? I have been called the Wolf. Goodbye. Hey, come back here. Come back here. Wait, wait. Yes, Mr. White? Where did that call come from? I'm sorry, sir. The party's been disconnected. Ah, nuts. Beg your pardon, sir, but if that call did come from the Wolf, I should be inclined to believe it. Huh? How do you know who that was? If I were you, I'd warn the officials in charge of the Silver Clipper. Uh, look here. You couldn't hear that phone. What is this? How do you know who called me? As I was saying, Mr. White, suppose I brought you a good story. The story of the Silver Clipper and the wolf. I take chances, Kent. 
I'm going to take a chance on you. Thank you, Mr. White. It's 2,000 miles. You'll have to hop a plane. I'll get there, Mr. White, in spite of the weather. Lord, I, I hadn't noticed the weather. Well, get to the airport anyway. You rang, Mr. White? Miss Smith, this is Clark Kent, temporarily attached to our staff. You'll note I said temporarily. Yes, sir. Kent leaves for the west for the first plane. Get him tickets and a $200 advance. Mr. White, all planes are grounded. Well, that's all right, sir. I'll get there. Uh, take him outside. Show him what he needs to know. Mr. White, I'd like to thank you. Oh, let it go, Kent. Let it go. You get a story and you get a job. You're either clairvoyant or the luckiest guesser alive. Either way, I can use you. But if you miss out, well... This way, Mr. Kent. Thank you, Miss Smith. Nice of you to show me around. Pretty lucky, I'll say. A hundred good newspaper men walking the streets and you step right into a job. I say, I am lucky. You wait in here. It's the ante room of the cashier's office. Well, I really don't need an advance. Oh, I... playboy in disguise, eh? Wait here. Oh, what a rotten night. Don't fall out that window. It's 20 stories down. Beautiful view, even in the fog. You wait right here till I get your money. Then I'll introduce you to a few real newspaper men. Planes grounded. 2,000 miles to go. Sorry, Miss Smith. I'm afraid I can't wait. Clark Kent may need a plane, but Superman doesn't. Up with the window. And out. Get out. I hope I didn't keep you waiting to... What? Miss Smith. Miss Smith. What's wrong? That man. Did he go out, that Clark Kent? Nobody went through the city room. No. He didn't go out. Well, I left him right here. The, The window. Oh, the open window. He went through it, and it's 20 stories down. He went out of the window? Out the open window, 20 stories above the ground. In the wink of an eye, Clark Kent, cub reporter for the Daily Planet, becomes Superman, eagle of the sky, winging his way west over city and plain, river and mountain, through the storm-swept night. But will he be in time? Can he checkmate the strange figure called the wolf, discover the plot, save the silver clipper, roaring toward Denver at 90 miles an hour? And remember, don't miss the next installment of Superman. Up in the sky. Look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Presenting Superman. Up in the sky. Look, it's a bird. It's Superman! And now, Superman. Amazing figure from another world with powers and abilities never before realized by mortal men. Given a chance to make good by Perry White, city editor of the Daily Planet, young Clark Kent, who was really Superman, leaped out a window 20 stories above the ground and vanished in a swirl of fog. Secret warnings had come to the newspaper of a vague and sinister plot against the railroads of the West. Mild-mannered Clark Kent had received orders to go west at once and investigate. Already danger is forming in the path of the Silver Clipper, cracked train of the West Coast Railroad, roaring over the prairie on her way to Denver and Salt Lake. All planes were grounded by fog and sleet. But today, as our story continues, a strange figure hurtles through space, red cape streaming in the whistling wind. Superman speeds to his assignment. 24 hours to go. The Silver Clipper leaves Denver tomorrow night on her way to Salt Lake City. And that man who calls himself the Wolf, have to find out who he is, too. Said the train would never get there. We'll see, Wolf. We'll see. If you're up to something, look out. Because the other side has Superman. Superman. 
And as Superman wings his way westward, following the faint steel ribbon of the railway line below him, two men sit waiting in a tiny shack in the Colorado foothills. One of them is Keno Carter, gunman, gambler, bad man of the Southwest. Keno waits nervously, waits for some word from the figure across the table, the dark, shadowy figure who calls himself the Wolf. Hey, listen, boss. Will you please tell me what we're doing out here now? The Silver Clipper ain't due till tomorrow. Don't even leave Denver till tomorrow afternoon. Very true, Keno. But the Western Limited is due in exactly ten minutes. Well, what uh, what are you going to do with the Limited? I warned various people and newspapers that something would happen to the Silver Clipper tomorrow night. As it will. So far, they've chosen to ignore me. Very well. When they see what overtakes the Limited in slightly less than ten minutes... They will pay more attention to me when I call again. Now listen, boss. What is this, a game? What are you trying to do? Why ask me, Kino? Do I know any more than you? We're told to paralyze the railroads. That's all. But it's enough. We obey orders. Well, whose orders? Where did they come from? Yours come from me. And you know what happens, Kino, if you disregard them. Shall I tell you again? No, no, never mind. Very well. Come outside. Ah, not long to wait now. If the Limited is on time, we should begin to hear her. I don't hear nothing. Ah, she is on time. Have you done what I told you? Yeah, I done it. But I don't see... You will see, Kino, very shortly indeed. Hey, what are you trying to do? Scare him to death? Listen now to what I tell you. I'm listening. That train will be going over that trestle down there in another seven or eight minutes. So what? At the end of the trestle, as you can see, Kino, the track turns and runs along the cliff on the mountainside. Yeah, I see. The mountains to one side, very steep and abrupt, then the track, then the canyon, 300 feet deep. Hey, listen, you going to throw them down the canyon? The whole ten cars? As I said before, all you have to do is obey orders. All right. What do I do? You wait till the train has crossed the trestle, then you fire the charge. Right away? Count ten, if you like. All right. And then what? Then events will take their natural course. After which, you will come back and join me in the cabin. Hey, she's coming. And coming fast. Keep moving, my friend. Let her cross the trestle. Then count ten. Ah, good. Still following the railway. Ought to be getting fairly close to Denver. Looks like a long trestle up ahead. I'd get aboard that train if it weren't so slow. I'll drop down a bit and look it over. Might do it anyway. Ride in as Clark Kent. What's that man on the side of the mountain doing? Looks like he's got a charging battery for dynamite blasting. Something queer about that. Seems to be waiting. He's waiting for the train. Gonna blast it right off the tracks. This looks like some of your dirty work, Wolf. Well, here's where Superman takes a hand. I've got to stop that train. I'll get aboard and they'll stop to put me off because I have no ticket. But it's got to be fast. 90 miles an hour. Good speed for a train, but it can't leave Superman behind. Ah, there's the observation platform. And what luck. Nobody on it. Now then... Grab the platform rail. There. Leap on board. Now. Now to join the passengers as Clark Kent. 
cub reporter for the Daily Planet. Off for the Cape, into ordinary clothes, and inside. Tickets, please. All tickets. Tickets, first of the All tickets, please. Tickets, please. May I have your ticket, please? Oh, I, I'm sorry, conductor, but I have lost it. No, you've lost it. And I'm afraid that I'll have to ask you to pay the fare. Now, you know, I, I'm terribly sorry, but I seem to have lost my money, too. Uh, I thought so. You've been riding the blinds and figured you'd sneak in here where it's warm. Well, we know how to deal with bums like you. Yes, that's right, conductor. Stop the train and put me off. I don't mind. Huh? Say, who are you? Uh, Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet. But that, that's all right. I, I, I ought to be more careful. Teach me a good lesson. Well, I guess I'll take a chance if you're really a reporter. Well, you're liable to write up a story about getting kicked off our train. You can stay where you are. But look here. I'll I, take care I... of you when we get to town. And if you're not a reporter... Oh, no good. I overplayed it. Wait, Scott, I've got to do something and quick, too. We're on the trestle. Where's that emergency cord? Hey, hey, what's going on here? Who pulled that cord? Why, I did, Conductor. I, I'm terribly sorry. Sorry? Well, you better be sorry. Here, here, come back here. Come I, back here. I can't stay, Conductor. My conscience bothers me. I'll just jump off right where we are, on the trestle. You here. come back here. Oh, I, I'll be all right. Don't, don't worry about me. Uh, I got gotcha. you. No, you can't get away this time. Now, you stay right here. I, I want to get well, off. Well, you I... ain't getting off. You'll go to jail for this. You come back up them steps. Look, up the mountain, Conductor. That flash. Hey, what, what the... What the... Why, what's going on up there? It was a blast. An explosion up the mountain. Great Scott, Conductor. Look, look what's coming. Oh, Lord, save us. It's a rock slide. Tons of rock coming down on the track. Listen to it. And right ahead of us, too. Took the tracks out like two pieces of string. Oh, Lord. And now they're all coming out to find out what happened. It's all right. It's all right, ladies and gentlemen. No danger. Just a rock slide up ahead. That's all. There may be a slight delay. Delay? You don't think you can dig through that, do you? Now get back in the train, please. Get back. It's dangerous out here. Back on board, please. We may be held up a little while. Back on board, everybody, please. We'll be pulling out directly. Now then, Conductor, I I think you owe me a vote of thanks. No, you do, do you? Well, what makes you think that? Well, use your eyes, man. Where would you be now if I hadn't stopped the train? Huh? Well, now, there may be something in what you say. I'm not denying if we'd been going our regular speed, we'd have got that rock slide right about the third car. I'll say you would. You'd have been down in that canyon, too. And it's 300 feet deep. As a matter of fact, that's where you were intended to be. Oh, is it? Well, what makes you think so? Goodbye, Conductor. I'll see you later. Hey, you come back here. Catch that guy. Joe, Mike, don't let him get away from the dog. Where'd he go? Catch him. Catch him, Get a hold of boy. Twenty tons of rock. Why, that's nothing. Hardly a workout. Anything to put a crimp in the wolf's plans. And Clark Kent, reporter, simply must be in Denver by morning. First of all, down into the canyon for the missing rails. There they are. Now, back to the roadbed. I never swept up a rock slide before, but there's nothing like trying. Here we go. <laughs> Why, it's nothing. I'll have the line clear before that conductor knows I've gone. The Limited will be in Denver in an hour. Well, Kino, all done? What happened? No, nothing happened. Nothing happened? What do you mean? Oh, one of them things, boss. The train stopped on the trestle. Stopped? 
That train never stops. Well, it stopped this time. And a guy got out, and I didn't know, so I shot the stuff. Yes, yes, I heard it. Well, didn't you come out to look? I thought I'd better stay hidden. Well, there was a rock slide, and that's all. The train wasn't scratched. The line's blocked, but the train ain't hurt. This man who got out, who was he? After the slide, I snuck down and joined the mob, see? I heard him talking about a newspaper guy and looking for him. A name of Clark Kent. Kent? I don't know him. Well, you better, because he knows us. What's that? I don't know. All I can tell you is they're looking for him. Clark Kent, a newspaper man, who knew enough to stop that train. Well, we shall look for him too, my friend. Uh, we'll have lots of time. They won't get the line clear this side of Sunday. We shall look for this Mr. Kent, and when we find him... Ah, the train. They've decided to go back to Pueblo. Let's look. Aquino. Aquino, that train. What? It's going west. Why, it can't be. Hey, well, what the... But it is. It's on its way to Denver. Why, it can't be. Why, there was 20 tons of rock on the line. Look for yourself, Kino. It's not possible. It's not human. But look. Well, very well. We go to Denver too, Kino, at once to find out what goes on and to take care of Mr. Kent, the newspaper man. Get the plane ready. Less than 24 hours to solve the plot and save the Silver Clipper. But now the wolf is hard on Clark Kent's trail. What happens in Denver when daylight comes? When Clark Kent breaks the story and when the wolf meets Superman? Tune in and don't miss it. And remember, be with us again for the next thrilling installment of Superman. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird. It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Here's adventure! Here's romance! Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West! Cisco, the sheriff, he is getting closer. This way, Pancho Bamano. The Cisco Kid. Amigos, this is the Cisco Kid. Ride with Pancho and me on this exciting adventure which we have called Vendetta of Vengeance.
Billy Fleming was soon to be released from the territorial penitentiary. The salt to the wound was the fact that Billy's padre, Marshal Will Fleming, was the instrument of the law who had been responsible for Billy's apprehension and conviction. Billy hated his padre with a deep-rooted venom and swore revenge. This perturbed the good marshal profoundly, and he sought counsel from two of his friends, Pancho and me. When I arrested Billy, I was doing a job I'm paid for, Cisco. I know, Marshal Will. It was very difficult for you to have to send your own son to jail. Marshal Will Fleming pays back and forth like he plenty worried. The marshal not should blame himself that Senor Billy got mixed up in a company of bad hombres. That he did, Pancho. And he was too stubborn to name any of those cattle rusters before he went to jail. Perhaps not entirely stubbornness, Marshal Will. Perhaps it was a mistaken sense of loyalty. Well, might have been at that, Cisco. I always hammered away at being loyal when he was a kid. I had to be both father and mother to that boy. And if I made any mistakes, it was that I didn't whoop him enough. No, 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 Marshal. The trouble is that both you and Billy have hot tempers. Same. Marshal Willie got the bull head, and young senior Billy, he got the same, just like his father. Well, why in tarnation ain't he like me about keeping on the straight and narrow? That's what I always taught him. There's only one way, the right way. There is only one right way, Marshal Will. But sometimes you cannot teach it. A young hombre has to find out for himself. Well, if you Aye, think that Cisco I... Marshal lose his temper again, he pays back and forth again. Better we go. By thunder... I'll be blasted if I'm... Oh, Poncho, I guess the reason I get so mad is I know you and Cisco are right. What is past is past, amigo. Our concern is for the future. Now, what can we do to help you with Senor Billy now that he's getting out of jail? See, Poncho wants to help young Senor Billy, too. Well, Billy gets out of jail tomorrow. See? Si. And Leon tells me... Who, who, who did say Leon, Senor Marshall? Leon Snyder. He owns a bank here in Roswell. He's also the head of the Law and Order Committee. What did Banker Snyder tell you, Marshal Will? That Billy swore to gun me down the first time we meet. Madre mia. It bad that young senor should want to kill his padre. But I am glad you sent for us, Marshal. Pancho and I will meet him when he is released. Well, I was hoping you would, Cisco. That's what I was going to ask you to do. I don't want to have to kill my own son. <laughs> Leon, hey, what are you trying to stir up in this town? What do you mean, Boyd? Jake Thompson tells me you gave him a job to do. That's right. I told him to spread the news that young Billy Fleming's getting out of jail tomorrow and that he's coming back to kill his own father. Ain't we got enough trouble with Marshal Will Fleming without your adding to it? Maybe by adding to the trouble, I'll put an end to it. Oh. By getting the Marshal angry as a hornet. Did Billy Fleming say he'd gunned down his father? Not exactly. I said it for him. You mean it's a lie from start to finish? Well, it's got Marshal Fleming as mad as a ruffled rooster in a rainstorm. Billy Fleming's not going to gunfight his old man. Yes, he will. You're going to meet him when he's released from prison and tell him that his father let it be known that he'll kill Billy if Billy returns to Roswell. I don't like it, Leon. What don't you like about it, Boyd? Well, the marshal knows I'm behind the gambling in this town. He's looking for a chance to nab me. If he knew it was your money behind me, he'd throw you into the calaboose just as quick. That's why I think it's better to eliminate him now. With Marshal Fleming out of the way, the Law and Order League, which I head, will break up and we can have things our way. I guess you're right. It's 
especially if we can get his own son to do the job for us. Exactly. But what if Marshal Fleming guns down Billy first? Then he's through in Roswell anyway. That law and order committee the townspeople have organized won't stand for a father killing his own son. I'll see to that. I reckon there's no harm to my meeting young Billy anyway. Just a minute, Boyd. Well? I just got to remembering. It was you Billy covered for when he went to jail for cattle rustling. He still doesn't know you left him stranded as a decoy for the marshal to arrest so that you could escape. And he's not going to know. He'd want to kill you if he did. Yeah. All right. When Billy gets back to Roswell, there'll be a gunfight. And when it's over, there'll be one Fleming dead. Billy ought to be coming out of the main entrance of the jail here, Jake. Wish you'd hurry, Boyd. I'm tired of leading this jug-headed bronc we brought for him. Whoa, you mule-headed broomtail. Whoa, whoa, boy. Well, there he is now. Hey, Billy. Howdy. Hey, Billy, how are you, boy? Oh, howdy, Billy. Hey, you look fine. Howdy, Boyd. Howdy, Jake. What are you two doing here? We brought your horse, Billy. You didn't think your old friends would go back on you. We're riding back to Roswell with you. What's the matter, Billy? You going high-hat on your old friends? Come on, climb into the saddle, boy. How'd you know I was getting out today? Well, news is all over town, Billy. Everyone knows it. Get up. Yep, that's fact. Get up, you. Get up there. Who's talking? What are they saying? Well, uh, I, I don't know rightly I know how to tell you. Tell me what? It's sort of a touchy subject, Billy. Well, don't be so cagey. What is it? It's about your father. Yeah? The talk around town is that he's threatened to kill you if you come back to Roswell. You're lying. Yes, Jake. That's what they're saying, Billy. So my old man's looking for a showdown. Of course, the smart thing to do, Billy, would be to keep out of town. Sure. Then you won't have no trouble with your paw. I stopped thinking of him being my father the day he arrested me. As far as I'm concerned, he's just another marshal. Now, we'll back you up, Billy, whenever you go to make your play. I'm going back to Roswell. I won't force a fight, but if my father draws on me, I'll kill him. Not much farther to the jail, Cisco. We soon see uh, young senior Billy. See, si, Pancho. It's too bad we are so late. I wanted to meet young Senor Billy just as he was released. Oh, Pancho, sorry this horse we bring for young Senor Billy throw the shoe. That could not be helped, Pancho. He should have been taken to a blacksmith sooner. Riders coming, Cisco. The one in the center is young Senor Billy, Pancho. Oh, we bring the extra horse for nothing. Senor Billy already got a horse. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, Diablo, ho, ho, ho. Who are the other two hombres with Senor Billy, Cisco? I have seen them in Roswell, but I do not know them, Pancho. Cisco and Pancho, what are you doing here? Cisco kid. Well, he's probably come from your father, Billy. Bet he tries to keep you from going back to Roswell. Why should we do that, hombre? We bring an extra horse just for you, Senor Billy, to ride back to Roswell. Careful, Billy. Might be a trap. You be careful, hombre. I want to talk to you, Senor Billy, alone. See, Pancho want to talk to you by yourself, Senor Billy. I bet your father sent him. Ask him. Well, 
Of course we came from your father. Marshal will not want to have to kill his own Inu. Did my father say that? There. What'd I tell you, Billy? That proves it. If you go back to Roswell, he'll gun you down. Are you Mavericks trying to stir up trouble? You're starting to trouble with your lies. She's gonna lie, you coyote, you. Who asked you to horn in, fat one? Want to show you who the fat one? You two Mavericks are looking for a gunfight. Cisco, you go for oh! I only shot the gun out of your hand to give you a fair taste of my fists. You lying sidewinder, come down off that horse! Ah. Uh, try to shoot Pancho, will you? Damn, Pancho, show you, you coyote. Uh, you won't show me by talking, fat one. If you cannot fight any better than you can draw a gun, uh, this fight will soon be over. You don't scare me, Cisco. Uh, stop it, Cisco. Uh, Quit it, I said. I mean it. I'll use this gun you shot out of Boyd's hand, Cisco, on you and Pancho. Uh, Pancho not believe that young senior Billy would hold a gun on Cisco and Pancho. Well, you can believe it now. You're looking down the gun barrel. What has happened to you, Senor Billy? Eh, it's not the young Senor Billy Pancho teach to use the bullwhip. That young Senor was a good friend to Pancho. Get this, both of you, and get it straight. I did my time for that cattle rustling, and I'm a free man. I aim to come and go as I please. That's telling them, Billy. They sort to convince you two jayhoggers. Now hit the trail and kick up dust. Senor Billy, at least listen to Beat us. Other... Go back and tell his father Billy's coming to work for me. Right, Billy? Right. And you can also tell old straight and narrow Marshal Fleming he'd better make a wide and crooked path around me if he wants to stay alive. And so you see, Boyd, it's all going to work out the way I said it would. Well, maybe so, Leon, maybe so. Billy took the job from you, didn't he? Yeah, I hired him as a shotgun guard to maintain law and order in my gambling hall. Good. That puts a sawed-off shotgun in his hands at all times, and for a legitimate reason. <laughs> what do you think I gave him that particular job? One thing you overlooked, Boyd. What are you going to do if Cisco and Poncho take a hand and back the marshal? I hadn't thought of that. That's why you don't boss this setup, Boyd. Here's what you do. First, how many of your boys are available right now? Oh, I guess Jake can round up about 20 of them. Why? To get Cisco, Poncho, and the Marshal when they come for Billy. Well, how do you know they will? With Marshal Will Fleming's hot temper, you couldn't keep him away with wild horses. Well, what about Cisco and Poncho? If they live up to the reputation, they'll come along to try and stop the shooting. That's what I want your boys for. Uh, see that they don't stop the shooting. No. They get Cisco and Poncho when the shooting begins. I'll see that it's done. Not so fast. It has to be done right. Place your boys around the cafe so that the marshal and the other two are covered from every angle. Looks like you're going to run the whole town, Leon. Boyd, I've waited a long time for a trap like this. See that nothing goes wrong. I want them dead by sundown. Knowing that Poncho and I would accompany our amigo, Marshal Will Fleming, when he had the showdown with his son, Billy, banker Leon Snyder set up a dry gulch. Unaware of what awaited us in Boyd Blackwell's gambling hall, we approached the death trap. Uh, is a mistake, Marshal Will, to go to see Billy now? See, the Marshal too mad to talk sense. That young whelp taken up with Boyd Blackwell and Jake Thompson... 
Uh, being in prison ain't changed him a bit. What do you intend to do? I'll give him a chance to lay down his guns and talk reasonably. And what if Senior Billy not lay down his guns? Then I'll have to treat him the same way I'd treat any other gunslinger who's threatened me. As an amigo to both you and Billy, Marshal Will, let me try something. What, Cisco? See, Cisco, what you try? If Billy does go for his gun, let me try to shoot it from his hand. Oh, it's better to let Cisco do this, Marshal Will. Cisco able to shoot the gun from Senior Billy's hand. No, by thunder. It's my job. And if that son of mine's the kind of a skunk to draw on his own father... But Marshal Will, he your own niño. I ain't never forgot it. Here's Blackwell's place now. That's far enough. Well, Billy? Pull it. Take another step and I'll drop you. Santos, we've walked into a trap. Those hombres are staked out waiting for us. Madre mía, those bandidos all, all got their hands near the guns. Are you going to use that shotgun on me, Billy? Not unless you make me. Those hombres are waiting for me to make a move. Oh, not try to shoot the gun from Senor Billy's hand, Cisco. What's all the whispering about? Well, Marshal, I'll give you three to get out of here. One. Two. You will not fire that gun, Senor Billy. You are not a killer. Stay where you are, Pancho. No, Senor Billy. If you're going to shoot your father, you got to shoot your old amigo, Pancho, first. I'll... I'm not shooting anyone. All right, Marshal. I'll go with you. Don't be a fool, Billy. They'll gun you down as soon as you get you outside. That's right, Billy. Stand your ground. We'll back you. Yeah. I don't need no backing. I know what I'm doing. Bueno, Senor Billy. Very well, hombres. Stand back. We are leaving here. You three ain't gonna walk out of here alive. The odds are again you. We're 20 against you three. You're wrong. There are 20 of you against four of us. Uh, what's going on here? What's all the commotion? Ali Leon. What's going on here, Marshal? It's strictly a family affair, Leon. Why, hello, Billy. Glad to see you back. The Marshal, Cisco, and Pancho came in here looking for trouble. Well, if Billy says it's a family matter, none of us have a right to mix in, Boyd. Now look, this is my place, Leon. These are my boys. That's true, Boyd. And you're not part of the Marshal's family. Billy said it was a family affair. Come, we are leaving. You, Blackwell. I hope that soon we will meet again when the odds are not so high in your favor. See, then you learn a thing or three. We'll be glad to accommodate you any time. Shut up, Boyd. Use your head. That's what I should have done a long time ago, Leon. Use my own head. Uh, get rid of the boys. All right, boys. Go on about your business. What about the piano, Professor? So, you should have used your own head. If you had, you'd still be rustling cattle. Well, I'm not, Leon. What are you getting at? I control all the gambling in this town. I aim to keep it for myself, now that the fight's out in the open. You sound like you're cutting me out, Boyd. That's just what I'm doing. I don't need you anymore with your pussyfooting and law and order committee. If I had my way, we'd have been rid of that marshal a long time ago. Oh, you cheap cattle thief. You don't think I'm going to let you get away with this, do you? Try to stop me and there'll be plenty more of this. <coughs> now, pick yourself up and get yourself out of here. You're washed up in this town, Leon. All right, boy, you win. 
You know I'm no match for you physically. You're lucky. If I had been, I'd have killed you. It is very clear, after hearing what you both have to say, that you are pitted against each other. See that black will coyote tell a big lie to young Senor Billy about his padre? That's right, Pancho. And Leon Snyder lied to me about Billy. I always knew there was a big boss over Boyd, but I never suspicioned it was Leon. After seeing the way those hombres in the gambling hall reacted toward the banker, I think your suspicions are well-founded, Senor Billy. But but why that banker, Coyote, he, he save us when, when we in the bad fix? Why? That's just what I aim to find out, Poncho. And I'm going over there to see him now. Uh, want me to remain in the marshal's office, Dad? Well, uh, from now on, the marshal's going to need a deputy. Will uh, you take the job, son? You mean... <sighs> I sure will, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> Pancho's so happy to, to see the padre and his, his nino together again. Make Pancho very happy. Control yourself, Pancho. <laughs> see, control yourself, Pancho. Glad to see all you boys together. I've got some news for you. Well, my deputy and me were just on our way over to see you, Leon. Your uh, deputy? That's right. My son, Deputy Marshal Billy Fleming. Well, glad to see you're following in your father's footsteps, Billy. Senor Billy not can follow in his padre's footsteps. Senor Billy not got the same size foot. <laughs> what was the news you mentioned, Senor Snyder? Yes, yes, the news. Well, um, as head of the Law and Order Committee, I've been doing a little investigation on my own. Yeah? Madre mía, Cisco, those bandidos from the gambling hall, they're riding this way. They're coming after me. They must have seen me come in here. You have to protect me, Marshal. How is it that you, who gave them orders before, are now afraid of them? I told you I was acting for law and order. I came over here to tell you about them. Looks like we're in for a fight. All right, Billy. Bar the door. Now take and cover all the windows, boys. And if it's a fight they want, we'll give it to them. There are too many of them. We'll never get out of here alive. You've got to protect me. You're coming out and you want us to come in and get you. Come ahead, you coyote. Let us see if your actions are as brave as your words. Oh, hey, no, Cisco. That shot so close that that boy bandido would make him jump for cover. Hold your fire, boys. Hold it. Lift that log off the hitching rack and batter that door down. Let's get him out of there and hang him. Madre mia, Cisco. Those bandidos, they come in here after us. Get your guns ready, boys, and make every shot count. You yellow varmints, come in and get a taste of lead. We, can't, we cannot hold them off. I think we can capture them, Marshal Will. How, Cisco? Pancho, get the door of the large cell wide open. What, Cisco? Hurry, Pancho, underlay. Senor Billy, when I give you the signal... Take the bar off the front door. Don't let them in. They'll kill us. By thunder, Cisco. I believe it's going to work. Here they come. They're almost to the door. Wait for them to get closer. The force of their running and the weight of that log will carry them right into the cell. Now, Cisco? Now! 
Good work, Pancho. Slam that cell door. <laughs> oh, Pancho, catch these banditos like a string of fishes. <laughs> Lock them up and hold them, Marshal Will. Senor Billy, you and Pancho come with me. They won't go nowhere, Cisco. All right, Leon, you get in there, too. That's where you belong. Why we run so fast, Cisco? Boy, Jake and another hombre ran back to the gambling hall. Now we will finish that fight you interrupted, Senor Billy. And you can help us. I sure want to, Cisco. All right, boys. Let him in. Bueno, Cisco. Shoot the gun from the hand of that boy, Blackwell. <laughs> Guns or no guns, let's get them. I'm gonna kill you with my hands, Cisco. Not unless you fight better than you talk. Watch you get your gun, you Jake Thompson coyote. I can beat you without a gun. Just as I thought. All talking, no punch. How are you doing, Sayer Billy? Doing fine, Cisco. I remember all you taught me about fighting. Yeah. That finishes this one. You need any help, Pancho? <laughs> Pancho not need no help, Cisco. <laughs> this party the whole talk and he no punch neither. <laughs> All right, Deputy Marshal Fleming. I hope you have room in your jail for these pack rats also. I'll see to it personally that we find room for him, Cisco. Behind bars from now on. <laughs> Well, this is as far as we ride with you, Cisco. Sure wish we could go farther, but we got to get back to town. See, I understand, Senor Billy. Well, Marshal Will, would you be as happy with any other deputy? <laughs> no, Cisco, nor would I be as proud. Well, Pancho feel much better leaving Roswell than, than when Pancho first come to Roswell. I know what you mean, Pancho. I'm sure sorry I didn't listen to you and Cisco when you came to meet me. Now is a very good time to clear up a little matter. Yeah, well, what's that, Cisco? Uh, tell me the truth, Marshal Will. Would you ever really have shot Billy? No, Cisco. I'd have let him shoot me first. It was just that dead, blamed temper of mine talking. And, and you, Senor Billy? Well, after all, you always said I have the same dead, blamed temper my dad has. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be sure each of you heard the other say it. Adios, amigos. Hasta luego. Up, diablo. Come on. Hasta luego, amigos. From Pancho to go, 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 go. Adios, Cisco. Adios, Pancho. Adios, amigos. And come back soon. Cisco. Si, Pancho. Marshal Will and, and young Senor Billy, they find out all the truth about those, those, those bandidos. And now those bandidos are in jail. See, they make lots of troubles with their lies. See, Pancho, they did. Nothing that is false ever does anybody any good. Nothing that is false ever do nobody no good? No. Oh, Pancho, nothing that's so, Cisco. Oh, Pancho's Uncle Jose not believe it neither. Why does your Uncle Jose not believe nothing that is false ever does anybody any good? Well, Uncle Jose not believe it because Uncle Jose got false teeth and they do him a lot of good. Oh, Pancho! Oh, she's good. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 o
And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. Be sure to listen again for another thrilling adventure of The Cisco Kid. The Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Poncho by Mel Blanc. adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space, missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice, travel into the future with Buzz Corey, commander-in-chief of the Space Patrol. In today's transcribed Space Patrol adventure, Buzz and Happy have been taken back millions of years through time and forced out of Skarno's spaceship in a tropic jungle on the planet Earth. Stay clear of that tar pit, huh? If you get stuck in that stuff, you'd have a hard time getting out. Smoking rockets, what was that? That's what I think it is. We're in trouble. Hey, Commander, look. Coming out of the jungle. It's a monster. Tyrannosaurus. The biggest dinosaur that ever lived. It must be 50 feet high. Stand still. Maybe it won't see us. Hey, look at those teeth. They could gobble us up in one bite. It saw us, Hap. Run! Today's Space Patrol adventure, The Monster from the Past. Commander Corey is using every facility of the Space Patrol in his search for the elusive criminal Dr. Ryland Scarno. Ordinary methods of detection have proven futile because Scarno is able to escape capture by traveling through time where no one can follow him. At this moment, Scarno is in Saturn City visiting an accomplice, Joseph Merck. Merck is examining some rough, uncut stones that Scarno has handed to him. Perfect, Dr. Scarno, perfect. Every bit as good as the last lot. Naturally. Scarno, before I peddle any more of these diamonds, I want to know where you got them, just in case they're stolen. They aren't stolen. I found them on Earth, in South Africa. That's a big country. Where in South Africa? In the Kimberley region. You you discovered a new field? No, Merck. I discovered an old one. I've been back in time. Back to the 19th century. What? Oh, then it's true, these rumors I've heard about your time machine. Yes. I stole a star drive spaceship. The hyperspace computer was slightly out of adjustment. By accident, I discovered that the mechanism can be used to travel through time as well as through space. Incredible. And wonderful, the possibilities. The possibilities are right in front of you. Those diamonds. These stones, you brought them into the 30th century from the past. Exactly. Diamonds were discovered in South Africa in the year 1867. A hunter accidentally found several stones along the Orange River near Hopetown. History books describe the exact site in detail. And you went back in time to that very spot? I went back to 1866, one year earlier. Scarno, listen. 
You want to make money in a hurry? I've got an idea that'll bring us several thousand credits in a couple of days. Go ahead. I'm listening. Did you ever hear of the island of Mauritius? No. What about it? It's east of Africa, a few hundred miles off the coast of Madagascar. And what's on this island? Diamonds? Gold? No. Birds. Birds? With millions in diamonds, you talk about birds. Now, wait, wait. Hundreds of years ago, a strange and rare type of bird lived on this island. But it was slaughtered by the thousands and became extinct. No living bird of this species was ever seen after 1681. I'm not interested. Now, do you realize how valuable one of these birds would be if we could bring it alive into the 30th century? Scientific foundations would pay a fortune. But when? Immediately. I have connections with the leading zoos and bird farms. Remember, Scarno, a diamond requires time and craftsmanship to increase its value. The bird can be sold just as it is. You may have something, Merck. Tell me about this island. Elsewhere, Buzz and Happy are on the planet Earth, where Buzz has been consulting with mathematicians and electronics experts on the problem of time travel. Between meetings, the commander and Happy are visiting the Washington Zoological Gardens at the invitation of the curator, Dr. Dawson. What was it Dr. Dawson wanted to show us? Some new exhibit that just came in. He wouldn't tell me what it was, but he seemed pretty excited. Right now, I'm more interested in what those scientists have found out. Yeah, if they can only find a way to make the Terra 5 travel through time, we can capture Skarno. They've got the best brains in the solar system working on it, but so far, they're nowhere near a solution. Mm. Then Skarno's hyperspace control is a freak effect, is that it? Probably. But we've still got to find out why it happened. It might happen to other star drive ships. Yeah? Ships could suddenly disappear into the past or into the future, and we'd never know what happened to them. Yes, that's right. Well, maybe something happened to Skarno. Uh, that could explain why we haven't had any reports on him for several days. I'm not so sure we haven't heard. Skarno's best bet is to bring small items of great value from the past into the present. Oh, like the pirate treasury brought back the first time. Yes. A dealer on Saturn received some diamonds from an amateur gemsmith. He told the dealer he found the uncut stones on Venus on a hunting trip. He could have. I mean, there are diamonds on Venus. Yes, but so far, none of this particular type. They're similar to diamonds from some region of Earth chiefly South Africa. However, this Joseph Merck could have been telling the truth. Joseph Merck? Oh, that's the man who sold the diamond. Yes. Here comes Dr. Dawson. Sorry to keep you waiting, Commander. You've had plenty to keep us interested, Doctor. I'll say. You must have every bird in the universe in those cages. <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, but I'm going to show you gentlemen something that will more than make up for any omission. You mean the new exhibit? Yes. Now, if you just come down to Pat to the next cage, please. Sure. If anyone had told me a week ago that there was any such bird as this in existence, I would have laughed in a person's face. What kind of a bird is it? Oh, I want you to see it before I tell you. Frankly, I am more excited about this bird than I've been about anything in years. There. What do you think of it? It's sure funny looking. A great big body, little scrawny wings... Don't tell me it can fly. No, could it? And it cannot walk very well either. I shouldn't think so with those short, stubby legs. I'd hate to get in the way of that big hooked beak, though. Gentlemen, for more than a thousand years, that bird was believed to be extinct. The last reliable report on any living bird of this species dates back to 1681. Well, I give up, Dr. Dawson. What is it? That gentleman is a dodo. A dodo? Well, I never heard of it. Oh, except in the expression, uh, uh, dead is a dodo. Exactly. Uh, the phrase refers to this very bird. 
in the 16th century, uh, there were plentiful on the islands of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. But in less than 200 years, they had all been killed, or, or so it was thought. This is amazing, Doctor. How did you get this one? An amateur ornithologist brought it to me. Uh, orna what? Ornithologist, an expert on birds. He found it in the interior of Madagascar. As you may know, Madagascar is a few hundred miles from Mauritius, the, the original Dodo Island. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, a few of these birds managed to survive in Madagascar. Very few. In fact, this dodo may be one of the last two in existence. Uh, the ornithologist has the other one. I've made arrangements to buy the second bird also. Dr. Dawson, would you mind telling me the name of this ornithologist who discovered the dodos? No, not at all. Uh, the man's name is Merck. Joseph Merck. Joseph Merck. Mm -hmm. Does he live in Saturn City? Why, yes, yes. He's going to ship the other dodo to me as soon as I send him the money. Dr. Dawson, stall him off a day or so until I have a talk with him. Now, please, Commander, I hope nothing will happen to upset the present arrangements. I simply must have these birds. Now, don't worry, Doctor. After I talk with Merck, we'll either get the dodos for the agreed price, or you'll get them absolutely free. And in Saturn City, Joseph Merck goes about the exacting task of cutting and polishing the rough diamonds. Scarno stands over him impatiently. Isn't there some way to speed that up, Merck? Ah. Isn't it the same diamond you started on this morning? What's the matter? Why are you stopping? Scarno. Shaping a diamond is a very delicate operation. I can't do it and answer your idiotic questions at the same time. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Merck. I'm on edge, I guess. What about that zookeeper? Wasn't he supposed to contact you about the other dodo? I'll just be patient. Now that he has one of them, he'll just have to have the other one. I know Dawson. What's that? We got visitors. Oh, quick. Get those tools out of sight. Now take it easy. This whole bench slides right back into the wall. Watch. There you are. You'd better get in the back room, Scarno. All right. Get rid of them quickly, understand? Yes? I'm Commander Corey of the Space Patrol. I'm looking for Joseph Merck. Hi, Merck. What can I do for you? I'd like to talk to you about your deal with Dr. Dawson. A uh, deal? Involving a certain rare bird. It shouldn't only take a minute. Oh, very well. Come in. Come on, Happy. Yes, sir. Forgive me if I don't understand why the Space Patrol is concerned about this. After all, there's no question of fraud. Dr. Dawson's convinced that the bird I left with him is a real dodo. Yes, I know. But as I understand it, you have another dodo here on Saturn. Is that right? Yes. It's to be delivered to Dr. Dawson when he... Meets certain financial terms. Then you admit bringing a dodo from Earth to Saturn. Of course. When any form of wildlife is brought from one planet to another, it must pass through quarantine. No spaceport on Earth or on Saturn has any record of inspecting a dodo. Oh, Commander, you can't be serious. There's no danger of disease. Why, I've brought dozens of birds from one planet to another, and not one has been a carrier of harmful bacteria. Yes, I know. That's true of 30th century birds, but... It may not be true of birds from the 16th century. Oh, Commander, from the way you talk, one would think you're suggesting that these two birds were actually alive in the 16th century. That's exactly what I am suggesting, Mr. Merck. You, you believe the bird is 1,400 years old? No. No, I believe you transplanted two birds from the 16th century into the present. Oh, you can't be serious. Such a thing's impossible. Not if you have a star-drive spaceship that'll go back into the past... Mr. Merck, you recently sold some diamonds, I believe. I 
Yes, yes, I did. Diamonds I found on Venus. Are you sure they didn't come from Earth? If you can travel in time, you can go back to the time and the place where diamonds are plentiful. Or where dodos swarm like pigeons in a park. This is all ridiculous. I've committed no crime. Perhaps you know someone who has. Ryland Scarno, for instance. Ryland Scarno? I, I've never heard of him. All right, Mr. Murray. We'll see how you react to a brainograph test. Now, if you show me where that other dodo is, I'll put it in quarantine. That won't be necessary, Corey. Look out, Commander, it's Scarno. I warn you, Corey, the first slight move from either of you and I'll drop you. Scarno, it's no use. Corey knows the whole setup. It's not going to do him any good. Once before, Commander, I took you back into the past to get rid of you. It didn't work. Only because I made the mistake of returning to that same instant of time. This time, there'll be no mistake. <laughs> we'll get them into the ship while they're still unconscious. They're going back into the past, Merc. And they'll never return. And now, back to our space patrol adventure, the monster from the past. Commander Corey learned that the hunter who captured two specimens of the supposedly extinct dodo is the same man who claimed to have found some valuable diamonds on Venus. Now, to Buzz, this coincidence suggested the work of Dr. Scarno and his ship and travels through time. While Buzz and Happy were questioning the amazingly lucky hunter, Dr. Scarno rendered them unconscious with a ray gun. At this moment, Buzz and Happy are captives aboard Scarno's ship somewhere in space. Seems to me we've been in star drive an awfully long time, sir. Let's start figuring what we're going to do, Hap. Once Scarno puts us off this ship, we'll be back in some past period of time with no way to return. Well, then whatever we do, we've got to do it before the ship lands. Hold it, Hap. Just relax, Corey. If you force me to use this ray gun again, it may be very bad for all of us. Something wrong? I'm not sure. We seem to be holding in star drive for an unusually long time. I want you to check the hyperspace computer. Suppose we don't. Suppose we like it in Star Drive. If you think this situation is giving you an advantage, you're mistaken, Cadet. There is an error in the computer. Each second may be magnifying that error. That's true, Scarno. It could become lost in a strange dimension, for all we know. Well, there's your choice, Commander. Repair the computer and be sure of a chance at survival. Or be stubborn and meet an unknown fate in the nothingness of hyperspace. All right. Let me look at the computer. While Happy, Scarno, and Joseph Merck look on, Buzz checks the baffling maze of circuits in the hyperspace computer. Carefully, he makes delicate adjustments of the complex instruments, then replaces the panel. Is, is it fixed? I don't know. Remember, this particular computer was out of alignment to begin with. That's why you're able to travel in time. What did you do to it? One group of circuits was working against another. I brought them into balance. Yes, but I don't notice any change. Listen. What's happening? Hey, we're coming out of Star Drive. Hey, look through the ports. We're in regular space. He's right. The, the blackness is gone. There are stars out there. Merck, keep an eye on Corey and the cadet. We've got to find out where we are. I think we're in the solar system. The constellations look familiar, and that planet over there could be Jupiter. Well, if that's Jupiter, then that other planet in the starboard viewport must be Earth. Then I had the computer set correctly after all. All Corey did was bring us out of Star Drive. Yeah? Well, you still don't know what century you're in. What does it matter? Scarno, let's land on Earth and put Corey and the cadet out of the ship. We don't care what century they're stranded in. You'd better care if you want to return to the 30th century. He's right, Mark. We've got to know our exact space-time coordinates. That planet we're headed for, that can't be Earth. He's right. The shape of the continents are all different. That isn't Earth, Scarno. Corey, what's happened? The Earth can change quite a bit over several million years. 
million, did you say? Scarno's time machine evidently stripped its gears. Didn't skip back a few centuries. It bounded back by eras and epochs. How far back? Tell me, Corey. How far? I've been checking over the computer. I'd say around 140 million years. Give or take 10 million. 140 million years? You see, that, that would be the Mesozoic era. And probably the Jurassic period. What I can see in the viewscope, there's a lot of vegetation on the planet. Yes, giant ferns and tropical plants for the most part. It's the age of reptiles, lizards of all types, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs? You mean those prehistoric monsters? They're not all monsters, Cadet. A few of them were no bigger than the common house cat. <laughs> Corey, I'm going to give you a very great honor. You and the cadet are going to be the first human beings to see living dinosaurs. You're going to put us out of the ship this far back in the past? Why not? With your superior intelligence, you should be able to survive. <laughs> a few hours later, Scarno sets the spaceship down on a small area of high ground in the midst of a steaming marsh. Around the ship is a jungle of giant ferns and conifers. Holding ray guns, Scarno and Merck force Buzz and Happy toward the open hatch. This is where we say goodbye, Corey. Go on, get out of the ship. Going to have to answer for this someday, Scarno. I'll take that chance. Now go on, get out. Wait. Scarno, look. See over there with the water? It's a big lizard. A baby dinosaur. Scarno, if we can take that with us to the 30th century, it'd be worth a fortune. Let's capture it. Capture that thing? Are you crazy, Merck? We could stun it with a ray gun. At the most, it weighs 200 pounds. We can make Corey and the cadet carry it into the ship. I don't like the idea of being in a spaceship with a live dinosaur. We'll keep it unconscious. Besides, it's not a meat eater. Look, see? It's nibbling on water plants at the edge of the pool. I don't know. Is it worth the trouble? Worth the trouble? Look what we got for two dodos, and, and they've only been extinct a few centuries. This thing is 140 million years old. It's worth its weight in uranium. All right, Scarno. You make Corey and the cadet carry the dinosaur. I'll wait here in the ship in case Corey tries any tricks. Dinosaur hasn't hurt us yet. It's still feeding. Suppose the ray gun doesn't affect it. It may take several blasts to knock it out. I think it hears us. It's raising its head. Now wait here. Don't move. What's that sound? It's from that pool of tar over to our right. Gas is bubbling up through it. Let's work our way around the rim of the tar pit and get closer to the water pool. All right. Don't get too close to that tar hat. If you get stuck in that stuff, you'd have a hard time getting out. Come on. The dinosaur's gone back to eating. Smoking rockets. What was that? Whatever it was, it scared away our baby dinosaur. I'm getting back to the ship. Hey, Commander, look. Coming out of the jungle. It's a monster. It's a Tyrannosaurus. It must be 50 feet high. It's looking around. Hey, look at the size of those teeth. It could gobble a man up in one bite. You two stand back. I'm running for the ship. Stand still. If you move, that monster will see us. Merck, you idiot! Merck, use your ray gun! It won't stop that thing! It may slow it down! Shoot! It's still coming. Ah! I'm stuck! Help me! Commander! Merck's fallen into the tar pit. We can keep that tar pit between us and the dinosaur. Oh, it can run three times as fast as we can. Commander! Commander, it's stuck. Stuck in the tar. I hope it's deep enough to hold the dinosaur while we pull Merck out. Come on. Help me! Pull me out! Give me a hand, Merck. Pat, brace your feet. Grab me around the waist. That's it. Now pull. 
hitting him once more. Pull! That does it. The advent of the ship before that thing gets loose. Skarno, he's blasting off. Skarno, don't leave me here. Don't leave me! He's gone. He left me here in a world full of monsters. We can't survive in a world like this. We're helpless. Right now, the safest place is right here by this tar pit. There's our life insurance. The bogged down Tyrannosaurus. Huh? Every living thing is afraid of that monster. No other dinosaur is going to come close until this one sinks into the tar and disappears. Hours pass, and the steaming fern jungle is silent. In the tar pit, the huge dinosaur's struggles grow weaker and the vast 20-ton bulk sinks deeper into the black mire. Buzz, happy and work, prisoners in prehistoric time, remain close to the tar pit. Gee, sir, I'm getting hungry. I, I wonder if we could find some fruit or something in the jungle. Mm, I doubt it, Hap. We're in the Mesozoic period. Nearly all the plants are seed-bearing. That's right. Fruit-bearing trees won't emerge for millions of years yet. My stomach isn't going to wait. Well, if Merck hadn't dropped his ray gun into the tar pit, we might be able to stun some small lizards. Lizards? I guess I'm not hungry after all. Uh, Commander, listen. Am I crazy, or is that a spaceship? It's a ship, all right. It's Scarno. I've been expecting him. Expecting him? Why? Why would he come back? I imagine he had some trouble getting out of the Mesozoic era. You tampered with a hyperspace computer? Yes. I fixed it so it wouldn't go back into the star drive. Here, here he comes in for a landing. Oh, I'll bet he's praying his heart out that we're still alive. Now, come on. Let's see what kind of offer Skarno will make us for a little advice on time travel. Wait right here, Hap. Stand right where you are. I've got you covered. Hail Skarno. We of the Mesozoic era salute you. Shut up, cadet. All right, Corey, what did you do to the hyperspace computer? It's a little complicated, Scarno. I'd have to show you. And your price for that, I suppose, is a return to the 30th century. Plus your immediate surrender. Hand over your weapon. Not so fast, Corey. Given a little time, I could probably locate the trouble myself. I'll be perfectly safe inside the ship, and you'll be at the mercy of the dinosaurs. Hey, Commander, it's another Tyrannosaurus. Yes, Probably searching for its mate there in the top pit. You'd better accept my terms, Corey. What are they? Get the ship back to the 30th century, and I'll release you unharmed. You haven't much choice, Corey. All right. I'll get you back to the 30th century. With Merc guarding Buzz and Happy, Scarno blasts off from Earth. Then, out in space, Buzz corrects the hyperspace computer and plots a vector for a return to the 30th century. The ship cuts into star drive, and after anxious moments, emerges into regular space. The others wait expectantly as Buzz makes an astrogation check. It checks out, Scarno. The positions of the stars and planets show we're back in the true present. By real star time, it's just nine hours since you blasted off from Saturn. How can you tell so exactly? By the positions of Saturn's moons. If you don't believe me, tune in a Terra time signal frequency on the spacer phone. I believe you. And now, Commander... And now you can release us. 
I suggest, Marge, you can land near a settlement and blast off without being seen. And then you'd continue your attempts to capture me. No, Corey. I'm putting you both out into space right now. But, but Skarno, you promised if we brought you back to the 30th century... Yeah, but that promise was made 140 million years ago. Merc, use your ray gun on them. We'll push them out into space. Have get Merc. Yes, Merc, look out! Drop it, Merc! Oh, wait. Don't move, Corey. Come any closer and I'll shoot. Don't be a fool, Skarno. That's a blaster. You could tear a hole in the ship. Not if I hit you first. I'm warning you. All right, Corey. Give me that gun. That was a fool thing to do, Hap. Yes, sir? Keep Merck and Scarno covered. I'll see if that blast gun tore a hole in the ship. If there was a leak, we'd know it by now. Yes. Must have been a weak charge. Uh-oh, here's what saved us. The instrument panel. Well, it sure made a shambles out of that. I hope it didn't wreck the controls. No, Hap, the control section's okay. But it looks like we're not only the first human beings to see a live dinosaur but also the last. What do you mean, sir? The hyperspace computer is wrecked, fused into a mass of junk. Now we'll never know what made it able to travel through time. I guess maybe it's just as well. From what I've seen of the past, I'm convinced there's no time like the present. (laughs) Now, a preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol adventure. Buzz and Happy are aboard the Terra 5, rushing toward the planet Saturn. Suddenly, another ship fires at them. Hey, that was close, Commander. He's getting his range with those torpedoes. We'll try evasive action. Why don't we give Drokov some of his own medicine? A few blasts with our space cannon and we We could... can't shoot. We've got to think about those people in Saturn City. If we destroy Drokov, we destroy the only person who can cure that epidemic. Smoking rockets, we can't fight back. So all Drokov has to do is keep firing until he hits us. Be with us again next week for the thrilling Space Patrol story, The Weed of Despair. Space Patrol, created by Mike Moser, starring Ed Kemmerer Commander Corey, and then Osborne as Cadet Happy, was written by Lou Houston, produced and directed by Larry Robertson, executive producer Helen Moser. Other players were Bela Kovach, Ken Mayer, Norman Jolly, and Tony Sides. Dick Tufel speaking. This week's Space Patrol was brought to you by Nestle's Everetti, the instant cocoa. Nestle's Quick for great chocolate milk and famous Nestle's chocolate bars. This program is broadcast to our armed forces overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Space Patrol came to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network. It's Hopalong Cassidy. With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. Our story tonight, Dead Man's Hand. With winter coming on and the snow beginning to crawl down the distant mountains, there are a hundred things to be done around the Bar 20 Ranch. But Hopalong Cassidy knows that some of those things will have to wait. For he and California are going to have another job to do. Oh, it might be an easy job. Like just giving a friend a helping hand. Then again, it might mean tangling with a treacherous gang who put gold nuggets above human life. 
Harvey, how in tarnation am I going to get my work done with you snaking me and off in the range like a lamed up dog? I wouldn't have sent that rider out after you without a pretty good reason, California. Well, my ears are up. Let's have her. You remember Kit Kirby? Well, remember Kit? Why, he was one of the best hands we ever had. He's in trouble. Listen to this letter I got this morning. Dear Hoppy, I'm writing you because I think you're the only friend I got left. Gold is where you find it, they say. And my partner Joe and I found it after three years in these godforsaken mountains. Our first samples assayed $500 to the ton. Gee, Williams, that's a rich strike. Sure is. We thought we were lucky until the day Joe left with the second batch of samples, and I found him ten hours later in Whitewater Pass with a bullet in his back. So I'm alone now. But that's not why I'm writing you. My wife Sally is alone, too, in Indian Spring. And she needs help, Hoppy. Your kind of help. That's all I can say now. Wish me luck, pal. Kit Kirby. Mm, sounds like the boy has got himself in trouble. Yeah, I believe Kit's in real trouble. More than this letter tells. Because, you see, I know Kit's handwriting. And this letter is a bad imitation. You, you mean, uh, you mean it ain't? Someone uh... wants us to come to Indian Spring, California. And they want it badly enough to forge this letter. <laughs> behind them when Hoppy and California pulled into the rough, dirty little town of Indian Spring. And as they walked into the town's rickety hotel, passed a poker game to the bar, Hoppy knew that only gold would bring Kit Kirby to a place like this. Jack's a better to open. I'll raise you, Ed. I'm good for the limit. How many? How many what? Well, all we got's whiskey, so I don't ask what do you want, I ask how many. And suppose a fellow wants a room for the night. How long are you staying? Does that make any difference? Well, not to me, but might to you. If I was you, I'd ride on to Savar in the morning. You know, mister, offhand, I'd say you were scared of something. Well, it ain't only me. It's everybody around here. Look, if you're smart, you'll get right back on that horse of yours. Jerry! Uh, uh, yeah, Luke? You're around here to tend bar, ain't you, Jerry? Uh, sure, sure, well, Luke. Well, quit your shooting off your mouth and set up them there drinks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You right, hear? Right away, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry the Jackrabbit. Look at him jump. <laughs> talking. All the time talking. Any objections? Yeah. Talking can get a man into a heap of trouble, pal. Remember that on your way out of town tomorrow. Okay, boys, this is the money hand. I want to be in at the start. Give me five big ones, Zach. Gosh, Hoppy, I wouldn't turn my back and hitch and post in this town. Look at that poker game. $20 limit. Follett feel plumb naked here without a six-gun on his hip. Shh, here comes Jerry. Look, mister, uh, this town's no place for a cowpoke on the loose. Now, take my advice. Ride on to Saguaro. Trail's plain and you'll have a move. Why Saguaro? They've got the law in Saguaro. Government marshal. You mean there's no law around here? Well, I don't know. Nobody's seen the sheriff since the day before yesterday. Now, that Luke Berry over there, he's a killer. Got the whole town buffaloed. Oh, there's gonna be trouble. I can smell it. <laughs> Maybe I don't smell as sharp as you, Jerry. You, you see, dirty I... skunk, double-deck me, will you? I'll show you! Get down! Uh, uh, what's the matter? Cut it out, will you? Grab him! 
I got his gun. Take it easy. Yeah, you sure got Luke. That was fast drawn, Doc. You saw him pull a gun on me. It was self-defense. I had to shoot. Well, sure, sure, Doc. Well, I'm still a doctor, and it's my duty to see what I can do for him. Help me get him over to my office. Yeah. Uh, you can come up from behind the bar now, Jerry. Luke? Was it, was it Luke? Why, nobody ever pulled a gun on Luke before. Well, yeah, I better get him over to my office fast. I'm afraid it's too late, but I'll do what I can. I'm sure awful concerned about a fellow he just shot. Who is that, Jerry? Oh, it's Doc Sheldon. He got a shingle hanging out right across the street. Come on, California. Let's take a look. Uh, uh, look for what, Hoppy? Ain't we already seen enough? Hmm. This is a funny one. Why are you looking at them cards? Well, this is the dead man's hand, California, and I find it very interesting. This, uh, this Luke fella sitting here, wasn't he? That's right. And the fellow who shot him was here? Uh, okay. Uh, what do you say? We just forget the cards. Huh? Wait a minute, California. Luke said something about the other fellow double-decking him. Pulled his gun first, that right? Well, sounded like that. Uh, it was under a table by that time. Take a look at the cards. Luke's got a full house here. The other man held a pair of tens. Now, why should the guy with a winning hand pull a gun first? Well, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe he was drunk. Oh, not that drunk. What's on your mind? Oh, just something to think about, that's all. Jerry, uh, fix us up at the room, will you? My name's, uh, uh, McKinney. This is California Jones. Looks like we'll be here in Indian Spring for quite a while. Well, it's your funeral. Maybe. <laughs> Don't you think... And, Jerry, uh, could you tell us where Kit Kirby's wife lives? I'd kind of like to ride out and see her tonight. I'm so glad to see you, Mr. Cassidy. Uh, Kit is very close to me, Mrs. Kirby. Oh, we do need help. We're afraid. The whole town's afraid. I've wished a thousand times Kit hadn't found that gold. You think that has something to do with it? Well, it has everything to do with it. The night Joe brought in the first sample, someone broke into the assay office and stole the reports. That's how news of the strike got out. Joe went to Sheriff Underwood, but I guess someone else got there first. Uh, how's that? Well, the sheriff seemed afraid to do anything. Then Mr. Sykes at Wells Fargo called a protest meeting. He was attacked on the street the next night. Left town after he got a note threatening his family. Well, didn't anyone do anything about it? The editor of the weekly paper tried to. He wrote up the story together with what he knew about the gold strike, but the paper never came out. Well, why not? His office burned to the ground last week. Presses and all. <whistles> that bartender fellow knew what he was talking about. Um, when was Kit's partner shot on the trail? Just before the fire. That's when I knew it was more than I could handle, Mr. Cassidy. Sheriff Underwood promised me he'd do something, but... Yeah, but he left town in a hurry, too. You got any idea who's behind this, Mrs. Kirby? Well, I thought it was Luke Barry until this afternoon. You heard uh, about the shooting? Yes. I want to give you something, Mr. Cassidy. It's a map that'll tell you how to get to the mine after the trail leaves Whitewater Pass. I just drew it from memory. Uh, no one knows how to get there, you see. There's a maze of mountains and canyons beyond the pass. Kit's up there now, huh? He hasn't come out for a month. I haven't even seen him in that long. Well, now, uh, isn't it surprising that I got a letter from him dated less than three weeks ago? What? I, I, I guess I he... I thought maybe he'd sent it out by you. But you say you hadn't seen him. 
You know, Mrs. Kirby, it, it's awfully hard to help when you just know half the story. All right. I, I'll tell you. I did write that letter, but it was only because Kit needs help so desperately. And even if he could get a letter to you, you know how proud he is. He'd never ask anyone for help. I know. He's got more spirit than Topper. That's saying a lot. Christopher's a mighty fine bit of horse flesh. It was wrong of me to sign Kit's name to that letter, I know. But you do understand why I did it. Yes, I do, Mrs. Kirby. But uh, just don't make a practice of it. Or somebody else might not understand. Now about Kit. He's afraid he might get the same reception as his partner if he starts down the trail. So he's just sitting tight, huh? Yes, but he has to come out, Mr. Cassidy. It's snowing up there already, and he's almost out of supplies. What about the gold? Well, that's up there, too. Over $40,000 worth of it. And it's got to come out sometime through Indian Spring Wells Fargo. Tell me, uh, is there anyone in town you know you can trust? Just Doc Sheldon. He's one of Kit's best friends. He w Oh, I see him coming up the walk now. He'll uh, be Mrs. so... Mrs. Kirby, uh, uh, we'll be in the next room. Don't tell him we're here. But he's... Please. Well, all right. Come on, California. Right behind you. Hello, Doc. Sally. You, uh, heard about Luke Barry? I heard he was shot. Is he... Died in my office an hour ago. He drew a gun on me first. Clear-cut case of self-defense. Half a dozen witnesses. I, uh, thought you'd want to know, Sally. Luke told me everything. What? Why, what do you mean, Doc? He was back at the whole thing. That business at the assay office. The fire. All of it. Sally, honey... I think we're out of the woods now. The reign of terror is over. I'm not so sure. You still think Luke was working for someone else? Oh, I don't know, Doc. It's been such a nightmare, I can't think anymore. You've got to think, Sally. But Kit, he's got to get out of the mountains before the snow bottles him up. Any news on the sheriff? Haven't heard. I think he's gone to Saguaro for the marshal. Uh, take a look out the window there. Hmm? What? That sky. Snow could hit those mountains again tonight. It doesn't make sense, Sally. We've got to go up there and get Kit out. I told you I arranged with the sheriff, Doc. I tell you, this secrecy business is only hurting Kit. Winter doesn't wait for anyone. All right, Doc. If the sheriff isn't back by tomorrow morning, I'll take you up. That's better, Sally. Now you're being sensible. I'll be here tomorrow morning at sunup. Yes, Doc, I'll be ready. Good night, Sally. Good night. You say you can trust him? Oh, I think so. I hope so. You mean I shouldn't have promised to guide him up there? No, that part's all right. But stall him as long as you can tomorrow morning. Come on, California. Where are we going, Harvey? Best place I know at the moment, to bed. <laughs> California. California, wake up. California! No, thank you, ma'am. No more meatballs. I get all the roast turkey I can eat. Always thinking of food. California! Hoppy, uh, Hoppy, uh, what time is it? Why are you... Get your britches on. Uh, it's dark. What, uh, why... Are... Get your britches on. I got an idea. 
Great time to get ideas, Hoppy. Run me ragged all day, ducking lead in the barroom. Then it ain't good. The decent... Hurry up. Can't find my boots. Shame. Maybe my eyes are still closed. Never mind the boots, just the britches. Er? You ready? Yeah, but... uh, Come on. uh, What's got into you, Hoppy? What time in the morning is it anyway? It's four o'clock. Now be very quiet and follow me. Right down the stairway into the barroom. What is this? I want to try a little experiment. I give up. I'm going to get me a nice, quiet job in a chuck wagon somewhere. Getting up at four in the morning to do sperms. When a man works as hard as I do, Hoppy, he needs his 40 winks. Here we are. This is the table. Uh, uh, what table? Well, the boys were playing poker this afternoon. Now, you sit there. That's it. And I'll sit here facing you with the bar at my back. Now, you're Luke Barry and you're holding the high hand. But for some reason or other, you tell me I'm double-decking and drawing me. Uh, what kind Wait of... a minute. Oh, I'm a long-suffering critter. Why, I... Go ahead. Go on, Hoppy. I'm Rope Barry. You shoot once and miss. Then we trade shots. You miss again. I don't. Then I fire two more and it's over. Now we can go back to bed? I don't get it, California. You missed me twice. What happened to your bullets? Look, not a mark on the bar. If you shot high, you'd have busted that mirror behind it into a million pieces. Wait a minute, Hoppy. You mean them shots were, uh, uh, uh Hoppy, uh, where'd you run to? Uh, One on the table. Come on down and help me look. Oh. What you looking for? Well, let's see now. If it weren't for mighty dark, I'd help you find it. But, uh, that is if I knew what it was, of course. Ah, here we are. I thought Doc Sheldon was pretty hasty packing Luke Barry off to his office. What you got? Ah, uh, there was no killing here this afternoon. That was a put-up job to make Sally Kirby think Luke is dead. Hoppy and California have been in a lot of strange places at some very odd hours. At the moment, they are under a poker table in the Indian Spring Barroom. It's four o'clock in the morning, and they are just sitting and thinking, trying to make sense out of the discovery that the shooting of Luke Berry was staged, and undoubtedly for Sally Kirby's benefit. This piece of wadding is what I found under the table, California. A piece of wadding from a blank cartridge. Blank cartridges? What do you know about that, Hoppy? Doc Sheldon knew Mrs. Kirby would take him up to the mine if she thought Luke was out of the way. Shh, quiet. It's the dead man on dock. Yeah, Luke Barry is just about as dead as I thought. You better settle up now. Right over that bluff over Whitewater Pass. Be a long wait. You can't afford to be spotted. What we plan, still murder, you know. Best protection you got is staying dead. (laughs) Gonna hate to miss my funeral in the morning. I wonder how the plans. What about Kirby? We ought to hit the pass on the way down about three in the afternoon. Mrs. Kirby will be first, then Kirby. Remember that. Number two is Kirby. I'll bring up the rear after the pack mules. You won't be able to tell who's who at that distance, so draw your bead on number two. And don't miss. I didn't miss before, did I? He talked after you left him. I didn't like that. Yeah, don't worry. Kirby won't talk. And remember, I got to get out of this clean. Everything depends on that when the boss files for Kirby's claim. I'll see you in six weeks in Santa Fe. All right. Remember, I want you on your way to Whitewater Pass before sun up. Understand? Suppose you leave that to me. 
Why, them dirty double-crossing skunks. Let's go after them, Hoppy. Not so fast, California. But Hoppy, they'll get Kirby as he comes down that trail. Well, if we grab these two right now, the boss they mentioned in Santa Fe will send somebody else after Kid. The only way to settle this right is to find out who's behind it all. So we'll just have to play along. Well, let's take in my instincts, but doggone, Hoppy, you always seem to know best. It gets downright monotonous. You trying to flatter me? <laughs> Come on. It's almost daybreak, and we got to hurry up and spruce up a bit. Huh? Well, don't folks always dress up to go to a funeral? Funeral? Hoppy, you mean... Yes, sir. Luke Mary's last rites. And I have a hunch we're going to find it mighty interesting. <laughs> preacher in Indian Spring, I just thought that I'd get up and take charge here. Now, as you know, we're sending Luke Berry to his reward. And at a time like this, we're supposed to say something nice about the deceased. Now, being the deceased is Luke Berry, that regulation puts me at a whopping handicap. Hoppy, why intonation? Take it easy. I'll tell you when. Anyone present got anything nice to say about Luke? Hmm. Well, that being the case, sermon's over. Let him down easy, boys. Just a minute. Uh, what's the matter, mister? Let's not be too hasty putting old Luke away. I'm one of his best friends, and I'd like to see the body. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry, mister. She's nailed down to stay. Rip her up. I want to see him. You get back down You heard what I said. Take the lid off of that coffin. Well, you get tough with me, will you? And it isn't customary for the parson to pull a gun on the chief mourner. California. Yeah? Take the lid off. Right, Hoppy. Uh, what is more easy? One of the boards is cracked. Hey, listen, stop it, will you? I'd shut up if I were you. Here she comes. There. Who's in it? I don't know. Never seen him. Good Lord. Why, it's it's Sheriff Underwood. Oh, my goodness. Just a minute, folks. Just a minute. I know I'm a stranger to all of you, but I'd like to say something. Well, speak up, mister. Yeah, what do you got to offer there? Since I rode into this town yesterday, I've uh, seen nothing but fear. All of you are shaking in your boots. Now, you're only as strong as you want to be. You want to lie down and keep taking it? There's plenty of rats who will keep walking on you. It's up to you. How much longer are you going to take it? Well, what have you got to offer, mister? Okay, mister, we're listening. All right, you got a jail in town. I saw it. Put the parson here inside it, and I'll have another one for you by nightfall. Come on, California, we got a job to do and do fast. It's all Hoppy, if we don't get ourselves in the darndest places, here we are, making our own trail up the mountainside with a wind whistling through our whiskers. Oh, it isn't that not bad. Not even enough food to keep my ribs warm. I'll buy you a nice big steak just as soon as we get back to Indian Spring. No one look Barry's up in them peaks above us. I ain't too certain of ever getting back. You aren't concerned? No, just scared. Uh, I think we'd better split up here. Now, you know what you're to do, don't you? I gotta do some mighty hard riding to reach the party before they get to Whitewater Pass. We were so afraid that you might get snowed in, kid. It's been a long wake up there, Sally. Seems good to be headed down this trail. 
You're nothing to be afraid of now, kid. Luke Barry is dead. Oh, is that someone coming up? Why, it's Mr. Cassidy. Hello there. Hop along. Say, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, Topper needed a little exercise. How are you, kid? Oh, golly, it's good to see you, Hoppy. Hey, wait till you hear about my gold strike. We've had a fine trip, Mr. Cassidy. Doc Sheldon's been keeping a sharp lookout. Oh, have you two met? Mr. Cassidy's an old friend of Kit's, Doc. No, we haven't met. Howdy, Doc. Guess maybe I'll ride back to the end of the line and join you, if you don't mind. Maybe I can help you watch for any danger. Well, I don't know what you... Mrs. Kirby, when we round this next bend, we'll be in Whitewater Pass. Can you make your horse stumble and not hurt yourself? Uh, I, I don't understand. Please don't ask questions. Just do as I say. All right. Now I'll go back there behind the dock and we'll be on our way. All right, get on! Well, I don't know what your idea is in coming up to meet us, Cassidy. I can tell you that I'm here to protect Chip. Then we have a lot in common, Doc. Well, just don't try... Ah! Sally! Sally, are you all right? Oh, yes, Kit, my horse just stumbled. What's the matter up there? Sally, if your horse is tired, why don't you come back here with me and let Kit lead the way? All right, Mr. Cassidy. Well, what's the That's matter That's a good idea. There. Now we'll ride through Whitewater Pass this way. Kit first, Doc second. No, wait, wait. Sally third, and I'll bring up the rear. All right, let's get going. But, but, but Cassidy, I don't think we should ride this way. A kid's out front. He's exposed to everything. I'll change places with him. I wouldn't advise you, Doc. I have my gun handy in case of any emergency. Cassidy, I, I can't ride here. I'm sick, I tell you. Mountain sickness. And there's nothing like a good ride to cure mountain sickness, Doc. Especially a number two spot. Wouldn't be surprised if you never got sick again. After today. Poppy! That was a shot. What do you know? Someone's out shooting coyotes. Oh, what can we do? Leave this to me, Sally. Keep your places in line. Cassidy, please. Who's your boss in Santa Fe, Doc? There's no one. He's running the whole play up here, isn't he? After Kit's mine. Bound to get it no matter who he has to kill first. I tell you, I don't know, Cassidy. I... Listen, Luke Barrett's up there. He's shooting at me because I'm riding second. Sure, you put him there. And he's going to keep shooting till you talk. Luke Barry, but I thought he was dead. Too bad, Doc. That was a good half. Look at her float down the gorge. Stop! Stop him! I'll talk, Cassidy. I'll, I'll talk. Luke, stop! Stop shooting at me! I'll take charge of the prisoners for a while, Hoppy. You won't have any trouble with the doc. Yeah, and it's surprising how a tap on the head will tame a fellow like uh, Luke Barry here. So you were in on this too, California. It all came so suddenly, I don't even know what happened. Well, you see, kids, California and I knew that Luke would be up on that peak above Whitewater Pass. So when I rode up the trail to meet you, California kind of sneaked up on Luke and took over the job. <laughs> like taking candy from a baby. Okay. Then it wasn't Luke shooting at us at all. It was... That's right, it was California. But the doc thought it was Luke. And he had instructed Luke to kill whoever was in number two position. Why, that's where I had been riding. Oh, kid. And with the bullets whizzing past him, the doc here sang like a bird. And now we know about the whole crooked mining outfit in Santa Fe. Good old doc. He just needed a little persuasion. That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, there's something I forgot to compliment you on, California. Yeah? I'm blushing already. Uh, what is it? That shooting in Whitewater Pass. Brother, when you shoot the miss, you sure don't leave much room to spare. Miss? Did you tell me to miss him? 
Lordy, Hoppy, I was trying all the time to hit him. <laughs> Hopalong in California. And here's a special invitation to join them next time they ride out from the Bar 20 when, as usual, I have a hunch they'll get into plenty of action that spells trouble. thinking you're thinking man bob that's different you've never done a show like that before well actually i did last week uh, for all of you that uh, subscribed to my podcast you heard a similar show last week at grab bag where we had different types of shows than we normally play last week i think we played a variety show with a steve allen show we also played a uh, uh, information please a game show uh, we had a science fiction show, so we're, we're going to be doing this from time to time. Maybe every week, maybe not. I'm not going to be held to it. But these don't take as much time for me. I just have to go in and clean up some shows. And uh, many of those in my file, I've already done that, so it's not such a big deal. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it took you back to when you were a kid listening to Hopalong Cassidy. And the Cisco Kid. I still like the Cisco Kid. How did you like that with Mel Blanc in it? <laughs> I remember later, of course, on television, it was Duncan Rinaldo and uh, Leo Carrillo. But uh, that, was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So anyway. Well, that's it then, folks. Uh, we will see you on Monday with an old-time radio comedy. On Tuesday with a drama, on Wednesday with a mystery, and on Thursday with a Western. And for those of you that subscribe to the podcast, we will have an archive show every weekend as well. This is Bob Brome. So glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. <laughs>